Thank you, my dear brother, for this prayer. What a these prayers are a blessing. Last week and this week, so biblical, so meaningful, so Holy Spirit filled. Thank you very much. Brothers and sisters, let us open God's infallible, inerrant, invincible, sufficient, and efficient word of the living God and the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4. And uh, I gave you two texts, but I'm not going to read Luke 5, 1 to 11. And the reason is very simple. When I put the Luke 5, it's just a parallel text of the text that we're going to study and to preach this morning. And I put that text, and you have realized that Luke has 11 verses to describe the calling of the first disciples to follow Jesus. And by the way, all these four first disciples were, have been reached out by John the Baptist prior to this moment. But I put Luke 5 because the difference between the two accounts is very simple. And, uh, and I will not have the time and we're not going to do to show all the details of the parallel to show that both fit together. But the difference is this. Matthew concentrates on the calling, on the calling. Luke gives you the context of the calling. These are the main difference. These are the main difference. And, um, and how Jesus even used Peter's boat at that, at that day to preach to the multitude in front of him. And let us, let me read it. Because last week we have a kind of Jesus in the city. Capernaum. What did he do in the cities? And today we're going to see Jesus by the beach. And I know that uh, someone told me just to think about the children and the young people here. And I'm going just to tell the children this. Uh, I'm going to ask a question for the children. Of course, they, don't, they can answer whatever they are. But uh, to introduce what we are going to study about Jesus and to teach us another reason for you to go to the beach. And my quest for the kids is this. Listen, kids, and by the way, I will show you another reason to go to the beach that's better than just to take to swim. How many of you have ever gone to the beach with your parents? How many of us look forward to go to the beach? And the question I have this morning is, what for do we go to the beach? Kids, what for do we go to the beach? Today, I'm going to give you another reason, a Christ reason, to go to the beach, to enjoy the sun, to enjoy the water, to enjoy the walking. But don't miss the greatest opportunity you have to enjoy the beach. And let me read to you just Matthew chapter 4, and I 
I ask you to use your sanctified imagination to see what I'm going to read. Please read the Bible in slow motion. This is food. This is to be savor. This is to be seen. This is to be feeling. And I hope that now we have the picture. Picture the Sea of Galilee. Jesus lived in Capernaum. Get a map later. Check YouTube just to see the region in somewhere or another. And now the Bible says this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee. Did you see Jesus walking by the sea? As a matter of fact, he went. Was, he, was, he was preaching. People pressed him to go there. He was going back up, backwards and got a boat to preach. But the point is that he was walking by that sea with multitudes following him to preach. Can you see that? While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. I'm just reading. When you go to the beach, what do you see? What do you look at? What do you look for? What think about? They saw two brothers. Simon, who is called Peter. By the way, you have more about them in John chapter 1. We're not going to chapter, John chapter 1. And Andrew, his brother. Andrew and John, son of Zebedee, were the first one to become followers of Christ by indication of John the Baptist. Casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them. Follow me. I will make you fishes of men. But remember they had had an encounter with Jesus before. Through John the Baptist. But they were not following Jesus. Now listen the adverb now. Immediately, we are all very bad in the immediately. When we hear God's word, God's command, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, the beloved apostle, later. They were in the boat with ZBD, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. We assume he said, follow me, I'll make you fishes of men. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. This will be the text for this morning. Continue what we have studied last week on our geography and Jesus' geography. Today, I'd like to call your attention for fall. Followers of Christ, face of men, our calling. The calling of every believer. Every believer. And by the way, I just want to make two, uh, two comments on Luke 5. I told you, Luke 5 describes the, the context. I don't have the time to go into detail for the parallel text here. But there are two things that uh, is happening here. Because at least twice they were cleaning their nets. Jesus was preaching by from the boat of Peter while Peter and John and the other John and the sons of DBD were just 
clean up their nest. They have spent all night long fishing while Jesus was preaching for the boat. And then the Bible says this. I love it. Listen, uh, you have your text before you in Luke 5, 4. All right, Jesus. They were there washing their nets, men in their nets, and, and Jesus preaching. And they come that moment. And when he had finished speaking, got it? Verse 4, Luke 5. I tell my students here, you know, we have to be like, we have to be like Jesus. We, we should know when you have to stop preaching. He knew when he was supposed to stop speaking. And by the way, don't worry. When my time comes, I will stop. If I have finished, I finish. If not, I'll tell next time when the Lord gives me another opportunity, I will continue what I what I where I stop. But that's what is passing me. Jesus says, and when he had finished speaking, you don't know for how long he was preaching. But at the moment he says, finish it. Then he stopped and look at Peter. And of course, the others and said this. Listen to this. This is the second thing I'd like you to call your attention. Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. My friend, by the way, I could have one hour just to preach, and I have done that before, just to preach in depth. That statement here, let down your nets for a catch. The nets is yours. My responsibility, by the way, I'm not mad at you, by the way, I'm not mad at you. I'm just excited to hear with Jesus. My responsibility and your responsibility is to throw the net. My friend is to tell people about Jesus. Throw the net. He guarantees the catch. You don't put fish in the net. You throw the net. But if you don't throw the net, there will be no fishing. Throw, let down your nets for a catch. Not, by the way, these are not hooks, okay? These are big nets. You're going to say something about that later. Big nets. And with big nets like that, my friend, you throw the net and you don't choose your fish. Whatever comes is the catch. I would like you just to keep in mind this. Jesus guarantees catch. Because he's the one who put the fish there. Your responsibility, my responsibilities in every opportunity, let throw the nets by speaking. By sharing, I'm just giving you an introduction here for the thing that our calling is awesome. And our caller is extraordinary, almighty. Last night I was in the re recital of my daughter has a ballet uh, school here for kids. Till 16 years old, whatever it was. And every year she has two recitals. One at the end of the spring, one at the end of fall. And she tries to do everything in such a way that will bring glory to the Lord. It's about two and a half hours presentation. And always somewhere in the, in the theater somewhere. And we were using yesterday the 
university close by, community college, has a beautiful auditorium. But every time I go there, I said, Dad, I want you to pray before I started there. Pray for the, everybody there. And my friend, every time I have an opportunity to preach the gospel for 200 people or more, say, how? By pray. I don't preach. I just pray. And one, and some people after said, oh, you, did you pray or did you preach? I said, I prayed. Have you ever preached on prayers of Jesus? Yes, prayers are also preaching. I'm not going to miss this opportunity. When my sister last week and my dear brother Mark was praying right now, biblically grounded, you're just bringing the scriptures in your preaching, in your prayer. And oh, my friend, I had an opportunity to tell these people to throw the net immediately and waiting for some of them later just to come talk with me. But by the way, this is just something. Our responsibility is to throw the net. Jesus brings the fish. If you don't throw the net, no fish. Now, having read, let us study this particular passage. And I am, don't worry, I'm looking at the watch. All right? If there is a revival, keep going. Now, keep your Bibles open in Matthew chapter 4. The verse that we have before you, 18 to 22. And the first thing I'd like to tell you is this. I'd like you to keep in mind that the text we're studying is not a call to apostleship. Someone somewhere once said, you cannot preach this passage for the church. Jesus calling the apostles here. Said, no, this is not a call to apostleship. It's a call to followership. To deny everything. To take up your cross and to follow Jesus. This is a call to every one of us. By the way, the call to apostleship came several chapters later when Jesus set apart the 12. But this is a call to followership. If anyone would come after me, said Jesus, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. This is a call to followership. This call to each one of us here. That's the first thing I'd like to tell you this. Secondly, I would like to per perceive immediately, understand immediately, the group to whom Jesus ministered. The group to whom Jesus ministered. And you are going to realize that when you study the gospel, Jesus is always ministering to two, two types of people. One is the disciples representing the church, his followers. But the second is the multitudes. And by the way, if you keep reading, if next time, if I have the opportunity after, if I, uh, I would continue even on the, on Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, when the Bible says this, and he went throughout Galilee, teaching their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom healing. And uh, among the people, and the Bible says about the multitudes and great crowds followed him. Great multitudes. When you find the word great crowns in the ministry of Christ represents the lost. When you see reference to the disciples represents the church. 
And Jesus is always discipling people, preaching to the lost. It's not a matter of either or dear brothers and sisters. It's both and. And Jesus didn't wait for the lost to come to him. He went to them. Many come to him later because he went to them. We, we cannot be passive. And we're going to see that. We have to be active as followers of Christ. Then two things. This is a call to followership. And we're going to study here this calling of Christ. The implication for each one of us, my friend. For each one of us. And the joy of participating in this great calling and blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, remember, it's a call to followership. And Jesus wants us to minister to the church and to the lost. And it's not a matter of either or. or. It's both and. And therefore... Let us study, and I'm going also this time, another, by the way, I don't preach always the same way. I told you last time was three points, today seven points. And I'm not sure I'm going to finish the seven points, but that's okay. When the time is gone, I said, do like Jesus Christ. When he finishes speaking, let us go in for something else. And if I come back, I'll come back, then I'll continue. And by the way, and I don't preach always asking questions, but there are some messages that I begin to read and say, man, I see the statement, I see the question, the statement is answering. And this morning I have seven questions as well. Last week, three questions. Today, seven questions. Let us see how many questions we're going to answer from this particular passage. And first of all, you see here the situation is Jesus by the beach. Jesus didn't preach only in the synagogue. Jesus didn't share the good news that is here, the way, the truth of the life, just in one place. The Bible says he went everywhere, by the beach, at mountains, houses, cemeteries, weddings, you name it, on the road. And that's why I pray, I pray. Lord, don't let me waste my geography wherever I am and help me not to forget my calling wherever I am, even in the beach or by the beach. Now, let us, be, let us go to chapter 4, verse 12. Verse 18, I'm sorry, 18. And the questions for all the kids to, to consider this. The first question is, what was Jesus doing? What was Jesus doing? By the way, it just came to my mind now. There was a time that one of my granddaughters bought one of those, what I call them, that you put in necklace, whatever, put in the, in the wrist. Well, armband. What would Jesus do? Have you seen that? What would Jesus do? My friend, this is a very subjective question. I don't know what would Jesus do. Jesus could do anything. If you find someone sick and ask to a reformed guy, what would Jesus do? He will appeal to James and say, we pray. If some other non-reformed said, Jesus would heal him. We don't know. Or Jesus will let him die. Like he did with 
My friend, the question is not what would Jesus do. This is a subjective question. The question is what did Jesus do? What did Jesus say? What did Jesus command? That's what I'm going to study. Not what would Jesus do. What was Jesus doing here? What was Jesus doing? Listen to this. I have read this past to my granddaughters, five years old. And one day when I read all of you kids, listen to this. They come to my house, I told you, they sit down there, we read the Bible. And I ask questions. Then one day I was reading the particular passage. While, was Jesus, uh, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and Drew, his brother. And then I asked my granddaughters, five years old and four in front of me, I said, what is Jesus doing? And they didn't get it because they were not following me. said, let me repeat it. Then I ran again. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. He said, what was Jesus doing? And said, what kind of question is this, Grandpa? Look, he was walking by the Sea of Galilee. They didn't say, duh. No, they didn't. But they said, what kind of question? The Bible says he was walking by the Sea of Galilee. And you are asking me, what was Jesus doing? He was walking by the Sea of Galilee. My brothers and sisters, let me tell you, when you look at what Jesus does and say, and the Bible says what Jesus is thinking, Jesus would never walk by the Sea of Galilee for walking. Jesus would never jog for the sake of jogging. And when I learned it about Jesus, by the way, I grew up in Northeast Brazil, about, about two miles from the beach, the Atlantic Ocean. Every time I go there with my wife, my wife loves to go and just walk. It's a beautiful beach. But many years ago, when we saw what Jesus did by the beach, said, we'll never again go just to walk by the beach or to fish from the beach. Or to have some vitamin D from the sun to feel good. We're going to enjoy all of this, of course. And we'll enjoy all of this more yet in the context of going to the beach to pray together and to look for people to tell them about Jesus. And by the way, it's swimming and fishing. Now the beach makes sense for me. What was Jesus doing? He was not just walking. The Bible says that he was recruiting people. If you say he was walking, your answer is correct, but incomplete. He was recruiting people. Recruiting people for the glory of God. The edification of his people, the salvation of the lost. Jesus was recruiting people. I hope and pray that from now on, we are going, we want to live like Jesus, to think like Jesus, to act like Jesus. And by the way, and he does not take away the joy of secondary things at all. And the only way for, for us to enjoy these secondary things is to use all of them for the glory, for the people may know him. As a medical doctor, do your best. To be the best doctor, the best surgeon that you can imagine. And when people ask why, said because my doctor Jesus 
That's what he requires from me. And I want to do his best for his glory. And you have to know him because he's the one who motivates me to do all that I'm doing here. This is the Bible, my friend. This is Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. Everything is important but secondary, but Jesus. He is recruiting people here. And by the way, just for the illustration for you, even my treadmill. The first time I got a treadmill because the doctor said you have a problem. You have to lower your cholesterol. And he said, I'm going to give you two months. And I said, to live? I said, no, to lower your cholesterol. And he said, you have two ways to do it. I said, what are the two ways? One, I can give you a pill from now on. And you can eat whatever you want. My wife, by the way, is very homeopathic oriented. Very natural. Very, very vegetarian. Sometimes I tell her, honey, you are going to die happy. I to die to die healthy. And I'm going to die happy. But my wife said, no, 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 no. I'm going to take care of it. We are going to do a diet. We're going to do more exercise. And I remember when I bought that treadmill, put here in my, my game room. The first night I've come from the work, got there in that treadmill. It was boring, my friend. <sighs> Then I began to put John Piper sermons just to do it, or verse to memorize it on news. And then at the end of that first week, I was wondering, Jesus, would you ever use a treadmill? By the way, Jesus didn't need a treadmill. He was always walking, my friend. But my point was this, Lord, if this treadmill, why and what for I'm using this treadmill? Is it just for me to feel bad, good, and to feel that I'm really better than I was before? Is it just for the people to know that I really look, look good? No, if this treadmill, Jesus, is going to help my body to be healthier so that I can preach and keep up and keep going in the work that I have given me. Praise the Lord for this treadmill. Oh, my friend, that treadmill was my motivation to keep going because of Jesus calling Everything in life, my car, my house, my money. I hope and pray. Remember, that was Jesus. What was he doing here? Recruiting people. Now, let me ask you the second question in this passage. Listen to the names here. He saw two brothers, Simon. It's called Peter. We know him already in John chapter 1. Andrew, his brother, Andrew was the one that brought Simon Peter to Jesus. But they are not following Jesus, okay? That's amazing. And they were cast the net in the sea for they were fishermen. And the second question for me when I read this passage in slow motion is this. Who is Jesus going to call? I have good news for all of us here this morning, my friend. Jesus was calling people like you and me. These were not extraordinary people, my friend, at all. When you go through the Bible and see people that God has used, even in the church history, we have few big, big people like Luther and Calvin, but the majority of them 
are very ordinary people that we don't even know their name. We don't even know they, they ever existed. Jesus used shepherds when Jesus was born. God used shepherds. God used Mary and Joseph. And by the way, go to the Old Testament kind of people that God called to make a difference in this world. These are not extraordinary people. Study their lives. Don't ever think, now ever think, oh, if I were like Billy Graham, I could make a difference. Oh, if I were like Dr. Medeiros, I could make No, my friend. The only extraordinary here is our extraordinary Jesus Christ. We are all ordinary people. Even Paul, remember this. Even Paul. When he wrote to the Corinthians, said, God didn't choose people that you think are big deal. And those who think they're big deal, they have to humble themselves before the Lord. He called people like you and me. Gifted them spiritually differently. But all of them are indispensable in his work. You are indispensable. By the way, let me just make a, a, a statement here. I said indispensable, not irreplaceable. You are, you are replaceable. All of us are indispensable. None of us can say, okay, have a lot of people already work in the church. Okay, that's not for me. I can just go here and be a participant, whatever it is, observer. No, my friend. There's no such person in the body of Christ. Just read 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. All of you are indispensable, not irreplaceable. God can replace you. But all of us, whatever God puts us, to make a difference. Someone came once to me and said, Dr. Medeiros, I want to discover my spiritual gift to serve the church. How can I discover it? Because he thought the only way for me to be of some use in the church is if I know my spiritual gift. You know what I told her? I said, my sister, don't worry right now. What you have to do is begin to pray to the Lord of the church and ask him, Lord, how can I be a blessing for the body of Christ here? You'll be surprised. Begin just to pray for the body of Christ. Pray for one another. And suddenly you're going to see things, not to gossip, but things that you can do to make a difference there. And God began to use. And people began to, and suddenly you began to see that God is showing you something. And the church began to recognize that. Just, all of us are indispensable. Nobody is dispensable in the church. Just read 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. Especially 1 Corinthians 12. Therefore, who is Jesus calling? You and me, my friend. You and me. Ordinary people. Now I'm going to finish here with my third point. When I come back. One of Sundays, I'll continue this. But my third point is this. Listen to this. What was Jesus doing recruiting people by the beach? I hope and pray that from now on, wherever you go, go with this. Jesus called me to be a light and to be a blessing. And you never know, my friend. About a month ago, about a month ago, Mama, we met a lady at Costco. We were, my wife and I were speaking Portuguese, and suddenly this lady came to us at Costco. 
and began to speak Portuguese. He said, are you from Brazil? He said, I said, yes, my wife's from the Netherlands. I am from Brazil, but both of us speak Portuguese. He said, oh, I'm from Brazil. I have just a few months that I came to, 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 to Mississippi. And I said, where do you live? And she told me, I gave my telephone and my wife's telephone number. Began to pray for her. Lord, give us an opportunity to in some way. And said, oh, we have to meet, but I want to present, to introduce my husband to you, etc." One month passed last week. She contacted my wife. Said, listen, my husband, he works here in a big company somewhere. Has a Friday morning free. Can we meet just to talk with one another? Said, yes, we Got a coffee shop in Flowood. There was be more or less the same distance for us. And suddenly we spent there about three hours talking with one another. My wife and, and me and uh, she and her husband, we began to talk about our families. Our, and then what a good thing that I could even tell them about what we believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. I discovered they were Roman Catholics and said, oh, now you have to come to our house to talk. I, this past week, I went for my doctor. Listen to this. It's, you pray, my friend. Just throw the net. Pray. Just pray. We are ordinary people with an, an extraordinary God who gifted us and empowered by his spirit. Just see people. I am always amazed when I see the verb to see in the midst of Christ. He saw a blind man, John chapter 9. Of course, the blind man could not see him. He's the one who sees us. He's the one who takes the initiative. Go to the supermarkets, look at people. Or pray for opportunities in some way or another. I don't, I'm not telling you to go to the supermarket and touch everybody. Say, hey, may I talk with you? No, my friend. Just, just be praying and see how the Lord is. And you're going to find me a place like that. I have a doctor that my doctor here every, two years ago for my annual checkup. I went this week. And I have shared a gospel with him already. And I was talking. And by the way. And he has sent me three people to talk with me because he said, oh, I met a Brazilian. May I give you your telephone number? And he gave the telephone number every time. And this time they went and said, hey, I met another one. I gave your telephone number, told you that you are a Brazilian, told you that you're a pastor, and told you that you have a Bible study in your house. It's a doctor. Pray, my friend. Throw the net. Jesus calling not extraordinary people, very simple people. But that once saved, once empowered by the Holy Spirit, once using all the means of grace to grow in the fullness of God, as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3. What a difference, my friend. In any area of life. Let me ask the third question. I'm going to finish here. The first question is this, what were these people doing? What were these people doing? Got it? My friend, oh, for one side, I say that I'm so glad that Jesus didn't call lazy people. But if you're lazy and Jesus saved you, you cannot be lazy anymore. And if you're lazy as a believer, you should be disciplined by the church according to the Apostle Paul. They had been fishing. They were just exercising their gym profession there, my friend. They were just there. Now, let me tell you what impressed me. Have you realized that Jesus went where they were? 
My friend, if you want to reach fishermen, go to the beach. Don't send them an email and say, come to the church. You go. That's what Jesus said. Having gone, go make disciples. Be active. Jesus, the one who told us to go, the Bible said that he went through all cities and villages. The one who told us and commanded us to make disciples, he made disciples. The one who commanded his people to baptize, the Bible says that his disciples baptized hundreds of people during the ministry of Christ. It is there in John chapter 4. And there was a time that Jesus had 70 disciples. Not lazy people. And by the way, lazy Christian regarding to this is oxymoronic. Lazy Christians, my friend, are oxymoronic. One day I gave a, an assignment for a student in my class of evangelism. I said, what is my job? What is my, what do I have to do for this class? I gave some readings, some slow motion studies in the book of Acts. And I said, until the end of this semester, to the end of this semester, you have to give me a report that you took the initiative to meet at least 10 people that you have never met in your life and share the gospel with them. And one then said, Dr. Benitez is going to be very difficult. I said, why? Because I'm working full time in the church. I don't know unbelievers. I said, what? My friend, it's unheard of. So are you living in heaven? The only place you're not going to evangelize and only to glorify for your salvation is heaven. Revelation 5 tells us that. But on earth, what are you doing? Begin to pray for unbelievers and take initiative like Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you fail in my class and will be terrible for the church. And that's one of the problems that I have. Many people are leaving seminaries without passion for the glory of God, for the lostness of man, and for the growth of the church. That's terrible, my friend. This is not the Bible. This is not to be a follower of Christ. One day I was in a meeting with some pastors, and I asked them, are you preachers or puppeteers? Said, what do you mean? Are you a preacher because you preach every Sunday from the pulpit? Said, but the Bible says that John the Baptist was a preacher. Jesus was a preacher. Paul was a preacher. Said, yes. Let me ask you three questions about them. Where? First, where did they preach? They preach everywhere, my friend. When did they preach? Every day. To whom did they preach? Everyone. Even to one person. So are you doing that? If you're not doing that, you're a puppeteer, not a preacher, according to the Bible. And by the way, my friends, Jesus went where these people are. You want to win people for Christ? Go to them. Talk with them. Pray for them. Try to know them. And ask the Lord to have an opportunity to tell them about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And doors will be open, my friend. I can guarantee you. And you are going to see the Holy Spirit working in you and the Holy Spirit working in those to whom you are communicating the gospel. Invite them to come to your meeting. 
and tell them why. If they don't have a Bible, give them a Bible and tell them why you're giving them a Bible. Oh, my friends, that relationship with Christ, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is real. Is real. Someone said, was well, Dr. Medeiros, but I don't have that gift of evangelism that you have. I said, first of all, there is no such gift in the Bible. There is an office of an evangelist, but not a gift. And by the way, you don't need to have a gift of evangelism to share the gospel. If you have the Holy Spirit, that's what Christ expects you to do. Acts 1.8. You receive power, all of you, when the Holy Spirit will come upon you and all of you will be witnessing. All of you, the question, do you have the Holy Spirit or not? And if you don't have, you are still lost. And if you have a believer not witness, my friend, something is going on in your life. There's sin or, or rebellion or whatever it is. Just go to the Lord and beg for him. Fill with your spirit. Fill with his word. Use all the means of grace and grow in grace, my friend. And by the way, let me just finish here. We cannot be lazy Christians, my friend. I was reading one of these days, the United, the United Nations statistics. Listen to this. By the way, I don't want to motivate you by statistics. Absolutely not. I want to motivate you by the joy of sharing that joy with others. But the joy of seeing these people receiving that joy. By the joy of growing that joy. By the joy of sharing that joy. And by the joy of contemplating your Savior one day in heaven. The joy, I want to motivate you by joy. But let me give you some st sad statistics. Listen to this. That's the United Nations. They said this. About uh, more than about 12,000 babies being born in USA die every day. And I don't think they're talking about abortion yet. Every day. I'm sorry. 12,000 12,000 babies are born, not die, are born in USA every day without counting the abortions. Amen? My friends, it's about at least 12,000. I think it's much more than that. 12,000 sinners being born every single day. Adams and Eats. And Acts 17 says, seeking God in the need to find God. Listen to this. Almost half million babies born in the world every day. Half million of sinners being born every single day, my friend. In need of what? Christ. Not just a good house, good education. No, my friend. In need of Christ. And I heard and read that about 300,000 people die every day. Day. I think it's much more than that with the pandemics and other things going on. Three, more than 300 people die every day. And I wonder how many of them know Jesus. I know that a lot of them are going to hell. Around us. How many people heard that died in your city? And you know. What are we doing? Lazy Christian. Is oxymoronic. And Christ is coming to call these people. 
to fish people. But that will be my next time when I'm going to speak to you about consider who is calling you. Consider who is calling them. Consider who is calling you. And next time, consider why Jesus is calling you. Consider why Jesus is calling you in this text. Consider what for did Jesus save you and me. And consider how you're going to respond. Father, we are so thankful to you for the time we have studying your word. Apply it, Lord, to our heart and move us, Lord, to do something, to be different so that we can experience the joy of your salvation every single day. So that our boats, our house, our cars, our jobs, our source begin to make a difference. As a means, not only to support ourselves, but as a means by which others may come to know you. Help us to live purposely, purposefully, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let us sing.